0: Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling fit and fabulous today. Today, I am super excited to welcome Trisha Nelson from Heal Your Hunger. We are going to be talking all about emotional eating. And I know that we've discussed this before, but emotional eating is one of the big reasons that people do not make changes. And I truly believe that unless you actually fix your emotions and pay attention to your emotions and really get what I call the fourth pillar, so emotional wellness, including stress levels, unless you really nail that, none of the changes that you make are really going to stick because underneath everything that we do is our emotions. We do things driven by emotions. Now, before we dive in to emotions and emotional eating, exciting news! It is the Dr. Olina's Healthy Habit Challenge coming up in November. So drum roll, please. I am super, super excited. A little bit nervous, but super excited. It's actually a little bit scary putting on a challenge like this, but I do love it and it is loads and loads of fun. So it's going to be starting on November the 8th. From that week, we're going to be having Facebook Lives and coaching sessions and so much exciting stuff. And it's all geared to show you what you need to do to take action. So many people say to me, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Well, this is going to show you, it's going to show you what you need to do to take action and lead your healthiest life so that you can have bucket loads of energy, a body to be proud of, know that you're leading your healthiest, healthiest life and doing it without thinking. So I will lead. leave the sign up. You can actually just go to my website. I've managed to change it so that the top bit says um that you can just click it and go to the sign up. But I will also leave the URL in the show notes. And there you can sign up. Now, what I would say is invite a friend because we know that when we do things in groups, we are more likely to make changes. I know for one that when I go swimming, I am far more likely to go swimming if I have arranged to meet my friends. And that group energy that, hey, are you coming tomorrow? Just really spurs me on. And often I spur other people on as well. And I'm busy saying to them, hey, come tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Are you coming tomorrow? That group energy, you just build on it. And it's really useful to harness that energy. So invite your friends and say, hey, I've signed up for this amazing thing. It's totally free. Dr. Rolina is awesome. Come and learn how to lead your healthiest life. It's going to be fabulous. So invite friends. Come and join us. And let's dive into healthy eating. I mean, emotional eating. Trisha, Welcome. Welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I would like to dive in because I'm super nosy and I love to know who I'm talking about. Do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about you and what you do, please?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I mean, I'm an emotional eating expert. I'm a founder of a company called Heal Your Hunger. And this is really for people who do struggle with food and weight in all different ways, you know, any kind of disordered eating. Uh, and this was my story. This is all based on my story. So I, I definitely had this problem myself and it was debilitating for me. And by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight, you know? And so, um, I don't know what that is in stone, but (laughs) it was, you know, a lot. Oh, you do kilos? Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, it was really, uh, it, you know, I, I was fat. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I'd hated it. I hated every minute of it. And I, you know, I was larger than my friends and I was quite embarrassed and ashamed by it. I had a roll on my tummy that used to imagine scrunching up and cutting off, you know, like you would cut fat off a side of a steak. Um, and I imagine getting some crazy disease where I'd automatically lose weight or even joining the army where I'd be forced to go through boot camp and exercise because I hated to exercise. So, you know, the problem really plagued me and I just felt very discouraged by the time I tried maybe for three or four years to diet you know to, I, I like I could lose weight you know I'd lose 20 pounds but then I'd gain 10 back or I'd lose 30 and gain 35 you know and so I was on this roller coaster ride and I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be and so um you know I Diets didn't work for me. And so it really wasn't until I started addressing my emotional eating that everything turned around for me. And so that's why, you know, I, and that was many years ago. So I've spent most of my adult life researching the underlying causes of emotional eating, like what draws us to the refrigerator, even when we're not hungry, what drives us to binge eat, you know, even beyond full. Um, and then hate ourselves, you know, cause this is my pattern. And so that's really what I've devoted my life to, and to helping people overcome this because I've healed and I'm so, so grateful, you know, and so I just am very passionate about letting others know my step-by-step system for healing, which is exactly what I do. And I do to this day, you know, I still do the practices that I teach, um, but they've worked for me and I'm just excited to be able to share them with other people.
0: Fabulous. And we're excited to hear. And I think so, so many people can relate to that story. And in fact, I think that on a societal level, emotional eating is something that to a bigger or lesser degree, we all do. It's part of society. You know, that idea that, oh, it's someone's birthday, we're going to celebrate by eating. That's emotional eating. And I know people that's not kind of what people mean when they talk about emotional eating, but really at the base of it, it is emotional eating. So perhaps we should start with, okay, so what is the definition of emotional eating? And then perhaps you could take us into your steps because they sound amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So emotional eating really is like, uh, anesthetizing our feelings with food. I mean, stuffing uncomfortable feelings. You know, uncomfortable, just feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling afraid, um, feeling bored. You know, there's all kinds of feelings that we stuff with food, and um, and so obviously, when we eat beyond our nutritional need we gain weight, like we're eating more than our body needs, because we're using it for, for, for reasons beyond what we need physically to get by to be, you know, sustained. And so um, when we do that, and we do it long enough, it becomes really an addiction to food. Um, You know, and I actually have a quiz that I offer people on my website, which helps them understand where they are in the spectrum. Cause I agree with you. I think we all emotionally eat. I think it's really easy to do. It's comfort food is comforting. Carbs are comforting. They bring our stress level down, you know, uh, people eat for boredom. It's just an easy thing to do, but really what really qualifies somebody as an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between is, you know, whether they can control themselves, like just, Eat a little bit and then pull back or go on vacation, gain five pounds and then and then come back, jog extra, you know, five or ten miles, and all of a sudden you're fine. Um, that's somebody with a lot of control versus somebody on the high end of the spectrum is somebody who who loses control and then spirals down the rabbit hole. And for weeks they're in this binge cycle, binge starving cycle, binge purging cycle, you know, whatever it, whatever ways we have of, of getting rid of the excess wheat. But it, we lose control is the point. Um, so that's where I was. I would lose control, and I just couldn't get it back. You know, for long periods of time. So the control is one way of measuring kind of where you are in that spectrum. And the other thing is consequences. You know, lose, gaining an extra five pounds not that big a deal. But if you carry fifty extra pounds like I did, and you do it for decades, you're going to have joint issues. You know, joints replaced. You're going to have arthritis. You're going to have you know, pre-diabetes, if not diabetes, heart condition, uh, low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, these are all things that go along with carrying excess weight for long periods of time. So the consequences really, really add up. And so that also can help a person, you know, kind of get inch towards the higher end of that spectrum as well. Absolutely. So tell us your, your steps. How do you help people get
0: over this issue?
1: Sure. So the first thing is to really start identifying instead of what food's doing to you, which that's important too. But after we've done that, like identifying if we're an emotion eater, if we're a food addict, and then determining, you know, that we want to do something about it. The next step is instead of, you know, looking at what food's doing to you to pivot and look at what, what it's doing for you, because this is where we're first going to start making the connection between our emotions on and our food choices And what I mean by this is uh, really looking at how we use food. And I have an easy way for people to start identifying this, which is through what I call the PEP test. And PEP is an acronym, P-E-P, which uh, the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food as a form of painkiller. Why? Because life is kind of painful at times. You know, we might be in a job that doesn't fit us. We might be in a relationship that should have been over 10 years ago. We might, you know, have a distracted kid or a dying parent you know, these are things that are painful, and we can turn to food to anesthetize that pain. So we use food as a painkiller to numb painful emotions. The E and PEP stands for escape. And, you know, oftentimes, we want to escape uncomfortable situations, um, fearful situations, the pandemic is a good, you know, good example of this. I mean, when the pandemic hit, nobody, like everybody was emotionally eating because all of a sudden our world our world was turned upside down. You know, we couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't, you know, get together with family and friends and, and, you know, so many things were uncertain in our lives. And that made people just want to check out. And they did that with food. It was so easy to do. So we often use food as a form of escape when we're fearful when we're worried you know it just takes us to this faraway place especially the sugar and the carbs um and the last p and pap stands for punishment and this is counterintuitive because we use food as a form of punish we use food as a reward like we're not I'm not punishing myself i this is what i look forward to by the end of the week yet when you know when you eat the way I ate, which is to get a whole bunch of your favorite goodies, sit in front of the television, you know, and check out, and then kind of come to feeling really gross and mad at yourself for going overboard, for finishing off the ice cream, finishing off the cookies, finishing off the chips, all of a sudden you feel sick. And, and we've done that to ourselves. So it begs the question, why would I do that? So to myself, my experience is overeaters are overfeelers, So we feel guilty about everything and we use food to beat ourselves up. And we're also, you know, we also uh, just have a lot of things that we just end up feeling bad about and we beat our, we, we basically are really hard on ourselves when we mess up. So this is another way that we use food. So just looking at these things, using food as a painkiller, as an escape and a, and a punishment, this is a good way to start identifying the the connection between our emotions and our eating. The second step that I really recommend to people is to uh, basically slow down. So as emotional eaters, you know, as overeaters, we tend to be overdoers, you know, and we're running around, we're running circles around everybody, you know, doing things for other people, always trying to people please, you know, and we don't have any time for ourselves. And really not even any time to cook a healthy meal. And so this is a problem for us. Plus stress increases our cortisol levels and high elevated cortisol, as you know, um, makes us hungry. And when we're hungry, we eat. So we've got to address our stress. And so what I recommend is adopting some kind of morning routine where you can start to bring down your stress level. Uh, And I like things like meditation, walking in nature, um, you know, basically Uh, Writing in a journal, and some people may be like, "Hey, I don't have time for self care. Like, I've got a busy life. I've, you know, got kids. I got a dog. I got a husband, you know, or spouse." Um, But the truth is, self care isn't selfish. It's really selfless because when you take time for yourself, you actually have more time to give to other people. But also, you're not as drawn to snacky foods for stamina. So it helps you get through the day when you've sort of put money in your spiritual bank account in the morning, you can make withdrawals throughout the day without turning to chocolate, without turning to carbs um, to get you by. And the last thing I recommend to people um, is uh, really having community with other emotional eaters. You know, studies show that when you are in community with other emotional eaters, with other people who really get you, you know, it's, it's a strange thing to be powerless over a cookie, you know, and it's not something people really understand and very well, well-meaning people will say to us, like, you know, we've all got a well-meaning aunt who's like, oh, just eat less and exercise more, or just moderate how many sweets you eat. Well, some of us can't do that. Like we can't just moderate and like we've thought about the eat less exercise, more model. (laughs) Like that's not news to us, but people give it to us as if that's going to be the solution, but there's definitely a missing piece when you're an emotional eater. And so being with other people who get that is incredibly, you know, soothing and comforting to our souls. And it's nourishing to our souls to be in community with other people. I'll give you an example um, of all three of these things. I had a, I have a client, Sarah, and she's an award-winning producer. She's a mom. She's a wife. And she was busy, busy, busy all the time. And she came to me because she was addicted to sugar and she wanted to quit eating sugar. But it wasn't long before she realized that she was hooked on a lot of things. She was propped up with a lot of things like Nicorette gun, gum, wine at night, overworking. These things just kept her propped up and not feeling. And so what happened for her is she started get hip to this and she stopped those things, but she had to have a replacement because you can't just take, the reason why 98% of all diets fails, you can't just remove the diet. You have to have replacement tools you know, for coping with life. And so she started a meditation practice. Well, that was not easy for this busy, busy, busy person who was kind of on the run from herself and from her emotions, but with the support of other women on zoom, looking back at her, cheering her on, she was able to adopt this meditation practice, like so many of my other clients. And it made all the difference for her, you know, and, and some people may think, well, that's really silly. Like I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to, you know, eat in a sensible way and just stick to it, but you have to understand food is like probably the hardest of all addictive habits. You know, overeating is one of the hardest because you have to eat. Like you have to eat. You can't just stop eating. It's kind of like taking the tiger out of the cage three times a day, trying to pet the kitty and then putting it back in the cage without getting your ass torn off, (laughs) you know? Not so easy, you know, so people blame themselves for not being able to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. But if you're an emotional eater, it's gonna be incredibly hard. There's so much temptation out there. There's holiday parties, you know, there's aisles of food in the grocery store that, you know, are not safe to walk down. Um, There's commercials on television. So having the group support and also having the identification with people who have also lived in isolation and shame. You know, I used to pull food out of the garbage after I binged and threw the remains out, you know, a couple, couple hours later, I'd remember there's some cookies still there and I'd go back and get them, you know, the shame of being an emotional eater is, Unparalleled, you know, and we all think we're the only ones who do these crazy things with food. So be in community with other people who have done these things, who understand what it's like, who understand what it's like to be overweight. You know, we're scorned in society for that. We're called lazy. We're called, you know, lacking willpower, which isn't actually the truth. Um, And so it's just really important that we be among our kind, support each other, have the accountability. So these three things that I've mentioned. Um, you know, the PEP, the pep test, you know, looking at the, the connection between our emotions and our eating, identifying what ways we can start to de-stress and having some self-care practices and also having community with the emotional eaters. These are ways that we can start to really lessen, you know, our demand for food that, that compulsion that got to that we have that drives us to the kitchen five times of an evening, checking the refrigerator. You know, these are ways that we can practically start changing. Um, that because just trying to control food or just trying to stick to your diet without new tools is really a losing battle. Um, but with new tools, with new ways of living, you know, we can address, I often say it's an, a living problem, not an eating problem. And that's going to be the way to really be able to lose the weight, keep it off and have sanity around food, you know, because it's not just about weight loss. I have clients who don't need to lose weight, but they're obsessed with food, you know, food owns them. So this is a way to come into more emotional balance and more peace around food.
0: Happy this. I love your message and it very much mirrors my, my four pillars, which Unless today is the first time you've listened to my podcast, you will know about my four pillars, but pillar number four is the emotional wellness piece. And I think that really ties it up. So I think a question I have is what about eating in secret? A lot of times I see people who they know that they don't want to eat whatever the food is, but they also want to hide it and they sort of back themselves into a corner of like grappling between this, oh my goodness, I don't want to eat it. I'm going to eat it in secret and not show my children and not show my husband. What would you say to them?
1: Oh, it is such a secretive condition. I totally get that. I've done it so much. I mean, I used to binge, I'd stop at the store and just drive around and binge and listen to the radio. So I've done a lot of eating in secret. And again, I think that's really where Know it's important to realize you're not the only one who does this and that there are other people who do it. That's where the community, I think, comes in. Um, but also, um, you know, not being afraid to share with your loved ones that you do struggle with food. You know, I think we're so afraid to admit it. We again, we think we're the only ones, and it's such a silly thing to be powerless over a cookie or a donut, you know, but it's such a common condition. And when we sort of step out of the shadows, step out of the secrecy and can admit, especially to our loved, you know, the people who love us, you know, and letting them know this is a real struggle for us, um, you know, and it's not an issue of willpower or moderation. Um, I think it's just going to open us up because secrets, we're as sick as our secrets. You know, when we hold on to secrets, it perpetuates, you know, our shame and that shame perpetuates the eating.
0: Happy to any last words of wisdom for people?
1: Well, I would just say, don't be afraid to reach out for help, you know, like, don't try to do it on your own. It's so hard. This, as I said, is probably the the hardest of all addictive habits to overcome. So, um, you know, there is no shame in reaching out. And, you know, people don't, they don't think twice about hiring a trainer, right? Like we want to make sure we don't hurt ourselves on the machines or, you know, on the elliptical or whatever it is we're doing, um, Pilates, whatever. So we, we're, we we do not think twice about hiring somebody to support us and to get us to do it, you know, cause accountability is always uh, an issue. Um, you know, the best tennis players don't, They don't think twice about, you know, hiring one or two trainers, you know, Djokovic, he's got a couple out there, you know, checking out his form and giving him, you know, instruction. So why would we think the hardest of all addictions to overcome? Why would we think this is something we should be able to do on our own? You know, chances are, if we could have, we would have, you know, so I just really want to encourage people to know that you're not the only one. Don't, don't beat yourself up about it, but do reach out for help because you can live in freedom. You don't have to live day by day, just battling it out with food and losing.
0: And yeah, I totally um, echo your thoughts. And I think you know, I I see this, um, and I talk quite a lot about this on my podcast as well. But you know, I see a lot of people kind of thinking, "Oh my goodness, I can't get help for my health um, because I ought to be able to do it by myself. It's just eating, it's just sleeping, it's just exercising. I can do all of these things. Why do I need help?" sorry, help. But on the other hand, I do see, you know, people, it becoming more acceptable and more than normal and people opening up and going, oh, actually, it is normal to have a health coach. And, you know, health is one of the most important and valuable and priceless things that I have. So why wouldn't I invest in making sure that I can live my healthiest life and, you know, battle any of the, you know, solve any of these issues that we have. So, Yes. I totally agree with you.
1: It's, Absolutely it's so
0: worth getting, getting help. So where yeah. can people find you and where can they get help from you? Um, should they want it?
1: Sure. Um, my website is healyourhunger, heal your hunger. H E A L heal your And that quiz I mentioned is on there. It's a free three minute quiz. Um, you can find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Um, I do have a podcast as well called the heal your hunger show. Um, and I'm on Instagram, uh, which is Trisha Nelson underscore underscore at the last N and Nelson. So, um, those are a few places. I also am on Facebook and I have a group called the secret sauce to end emotional eating, which is a free Facebook free, but private Facebook group for emotional eaters.
0: Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. And I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes too. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, fabulous. Thank you so much, Trisha, for being here and talking to us about emotional eating. Remember to go and check out Trisha's um, podcast, Heal Your Hunger. She has some amazing guests, wink, wink. And remember to come and sign up for Dr. Alina's Healthy Habit Challenge and to invite some friends. Have a fabulous week and I will be back next week. Bye-bye.